I kind of grew up in, in a pretty agricultural setting, so I had a few weird businesses. Um, there was a time I was selling a lot of mealworms on eBay. I had like massive trays of just worms that I would just like sell by the thousand. What? Oh man, this sounds so weird. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to Millennial Life Crisis. Sorry, I was eating a gummy bear. Wow. Very <laughs> professional. You can, you can cut that out or not, whatever. Was it, oh, was it, wait, was it one of those like smart, sweet gummies? Yes, those are so cool. I know, right? Where can you get those? I really want some. They're at Target now, Erwan. Oh, okay. They're at, well, I oh. say Erwan as if it's a place I'm people like, go all the time. What is that? Like, it sounds like a store in the airport. Erwan. Erwan is like Whole Foods, but even more, even more that. You know how it's Whole only Foods in LA, it, it's though, even right? more of that. I think so, yeah. It's quite bougie. Well, Smart Sweets are these gummy bears that have like barely any sugar. Yeah, so here I have it with me. It has only 90 calories for the whole bag and three grams of sugar and three grams of protein. Hey, it's like citric acid. It's kind of like, you know how crystal light you're like, there's like no sugar in this, but it still kind of tastes good. It's like that. They taste sort of like that. Yeah, I like them because if you're craving like sugar... It definitely curbs that. So oh, thanks yeah. to SmartSweets for sponsoring today's episode. No, I'm totally I kidding. I wish. Feel free to send us some. Yeah, hit us up. Those things are kind sweets. of expensive. Oh, are they? Yeah, I bought a big pack on Amazon. Here, let me see. It's like $25 for the variety pack. How many packs come in it? Um, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight. That is expensive. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's like three or four dollars a pack, and they're not that big. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, guys, welcome back. Coming off last week's Shelby solo episode, we're actually super wondering what you guys think of when we do one-off episodes where it's just one of us. So we would love your feedback if you would DM us on Instagram. That's a really great way to just get a hold of us. I personally, Monica here, love looking at the DMs. Me too. Shelby here. Oh, do you actually go on there? Oh, I thought you meant my personal one. It's just oh. fun to look through what people are saying. Um, I know I haven't figured out how to log in, but I'll figure that out. Oh, I'll give you the password. So it's I love Oliver. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love Oliver. One, two, three. <laughs> yeah, don't try that. It won't work. I promise. <laughs> Gosh, now that I think about it, I feel like everyone makes their Wi-Fi password something about their pet. If they don't, there's something wrong. Yeah, truly. <laughs> For today's episode, we're having a fellow YouTuber, Nate O'Brien, on. Shelby, you coordinated that. Yeah, he's a personal finance, investing, and entrepreneurship YouTuber. Yes, I did just read that off his banner. But no, I've been watching his <laughs> channel for about a year, so I'm excited to have him on. He's deep in the finance realm of YouTube. I actually mentioned this in the solo episode I did about money. I was like, you guys should watch him because he has more extensive videos about all this stuff. Yeah, he gives cool tips on you know what to do with your money how to make money all these things in a very non-douchey way that's such a good way to put it i like that no he's super awesome so we're excited to pick his brain on being an entrepreneur in this space and i don't know his relationship with money and Mm -hmm. all those fun things but before we do that we're gonna get into our millennial life crises of the week all right so my crisis this week is i made an account on bumble and yes, girl. I only had Hinge before that. You know, I wasn't on the apps for a while. And so I was on Hinge and I was like, wait, did I get like uglier over the last year? Because <laughs> I feel like people on here aren't. I'm just like not finding someone that I would find like mutually attractive. 
So that's not it though, guys, because I got Bumble and I'm telling you, people on Bumble are a bit hotter. I actually, I can contest, is that the right word to that? Because yeah. I recently went back on Bumble after not going on it for a couple years and only just going on Hinge. Same thing in LA. Yeah, it's definitely better, right? guys. Everyone moved back yeah. to Bumble, so check it out. It's true. Bumble's like the hot app right now. Maybe it's all those influencer marketing ads they've been doing. Yeah, could be. Not gonna lie, I've definitely gotten emails of Bumble wanting me to do sponsored posts for them, but I've just never done it because I never really used it. But I made a Bumble and on Bumble you have to verify your account and it's really funny. It like gives you a blue check mark and so it kind of makes everyone look oh, important. Wait, really? Um, but I just didn't really give a shit, so I didn't verify my account. And now my crisis this week is I've gotten a couple DMs from guys on Instagram saying that they saw me on Bumble and like there might be someone like using my name and likeness to catfish people on Bumble because it's not <laughs> verified but it's actually me and so I thought that was funny and then it got me thinking about how weird it is to think about dating and stuff and explaining to someone I make YouTube videos and like going through that whole thing again I don't look forward to it I don't know I don't really know how I want to go about it it's just weird because it's like okay I make YouTube videos and now you're gonna go home and look at them so. yeah no it's like 100% they're gonna look at them I feel like I've even gone on dates before where they're like oh so like what do you do on YouTube or whatever like while we're on the date and then like a couple dates later they're like yeah I actually had seen your channel I'm like cool no way oh that's, yeah oh uh, but I mean it is a weird thing like if someone started off with oh I've seen your channel it'd probably make me feel slightly uncomfortable like I'd rather them hide that information for I a know bit. but I'm like now I feel like an idiot explaining what kind of videos I'm making <laughs> oh, like yeah. as if you it's don't probably, know like, so weird yeah yeah it's oh, pretty funny. I just think it's so weird. It's definitely just, Ugh. if you're a YouTuber and you're dating, it's like just going to be weird. It just is. Like not trying to be like, oh, my life's so hard. I'm like a celebrity because I'm not. Yeah. But it's like any time. It doesn't matter like if you're famous, have a lot of followers or not. If you see someone on social media or anything like that before you've actually met them in person, it puts them like on a pedestal. Uh, oh like, yeah it's not even about followers it's just if you're watching a video about them and suddenly you know all these things about or you start to get an idea in your head maybe I think that's what it is because I once went on mm. a date that was like a first date and it was like this guy had clearly watched way too many of my videos and at one point he was like you're honestly amazing and I was like you don't even know me though like you don't oh, know me at all did I ever tell the story about how I did go on like a little hingy type bumbly date thingy like coffee date like probably three years ago and it felt like just 20 questions about youtube oh no and at one point he was like what's it like being a youtube star and that's <laughs> like when i just checked out of that date anyway this is probably not relatable okay so my millennial life crisis is i have a dog for the week i know in these episodes i've been like i want to get a dog i want to get a i think i'm gonna get a dog i'm gonna do it well, my roommate Haley left town. I think she's visiting her family for a week. And so I'm babysitting Coop 
Cooper. A lot of you guys know him. If you follow me on Instagram, which you totally should, at Shelby Church, hey. You've seen Cooper. I post him on my story like constantly. And so I was like, sure, I'll totally watch Cooper. Me and Lauren, my other roommate, are joint custody for the week. But now I'm like, oh, this is a little taste of dog mom life, I guess. Yeah, what's it? Anything you didn't expect? Well, it's only day one. And I was like, oh my God, I have to feed him this morning. And I think I'm going to take him on a walk after this. Definitely take him on a walk. I got to go somewhere at 6 though, So I'm like, we got to wrap this up so I can walk Cooper. Oh, Cooper. I think you're going to realize that Cooper is going to take over. Like when you have a dog, you definitely have to plan out your day around walking your dog. I'm excited. Also, you guys, within the last couple of months, I read this book that Shelby recommended to me and it's called The Defining Decade. It's the first time I finished a book in like 10 years. So yeah, it's that good. I actually finished a book. Love it. I want you guys to go get that book and read it. If you are on this podcast, Millennial Life Crisis, it is about how people say that, oh, 30 is the new 20 and that's actually a really bad mindset and it's all about like not wasting your 20s and how to get over certain fears and anxieties in your 20s and deal with love, relationship stuff, career stuff, you know, mind, body, health. And so it's amazing. Get that book because we are going to do a book club episode breaking it down and talking about different things in the book and seriously anyone can benefit from it. I love it so much that I actually ordered four copies and I've given them out to friends and I'm just like read it. Guys go get The Defining Decade. We'll have a link to it in the show notes and get ready for an episode on that. That's it for our updates this week. Quick message from today's sponsor and then we are going to get into the conversation with Nate. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. With Care Of, you take a short online quiz and answer questions about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle. Care Of recommends a list of vitamins and supplements specifically for your health needs and goals. The vitamins come in eco-friendly packs made of compostable film and there's a ton of info on how to compost them on care of site. Also, the vitamins come in this really cute box and I personally love putting that on my desk or on my vanity or something like that. And because it's quite aesthetically pleasing to look at, you remember to take your vitamins, which is also very important. Care of also has a new line, the skin and hair collection. It helps you work on your beauty goals from all angles with a combination of targeted ingredients for hair, skin, and nails. For 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code mlifecrisis50. Again, for 50% off your order, again, for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code mlifecrisis50. And thank you to Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode. Okay, I gotta be honest, I didn't know what Mint Mobile was until they approached us to be a sponsor, but you guys, you have to listen up because they are changing the game when it comes to your wireless bill. So Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text, and you can choose how much data you wanna pay for, three, eight, or 12 gigabytes. I just Googled how much the average cell phone user uses in data each month, and it's between two and five gigabytes. Yet we all pay for unlimited. And have you ever really thought about why your cell phone bill is so expensive with a big wireless provider? It's because of all their overhead having physical retail stores. Mint Mobile is entirely online, so they're able to cut costs and pass on the savings directly to you, while you still get the same premium network coverage that you're used to. I just switched to Mint Mobile and it was an extremely easy process, you guys. You sign up online and they send you a SIM card.
card in the mail. All you have to do is pop it in your phone and boom, you're switched. Uh, my service is the exact same, but my cell phone bill is now way lower. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com MLC. That's mintmobile.com slash MLC. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash MLC. Okay, so we have Nate here. Welcome to Millennial Life Crisis. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I've, I, I think I've watched both of your channels for probably a couple years now, I feel like. Oh, awesome. So, and I, yeah, and I guess I'm, I'm technically probably a YouTuber too. I, I think I could call myself Oh, that. definitely. Oh, for sure. I've been watching your channel this past year. I don't remember when I found it. I think as I fell into that whole like finance side of YouTube and I just thought it was really interesting. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy that no one was really doing this before. Yeah, that's the weird thing. It really, so when I started my channel a few years ago, there was nobody in the, fi like the finance niche on YouTube just didn't exist, right? And I actually remember, um, I feel like you shall be made a video about like how to make money as a teenager. Oh way God. back like way way that back. one's not and good. i remember watching it yeah but i remember watching it because it was the only video about like money on youtube uh, -huh. uh and it was, it was probably like i don't know like six or eight years ago or oh, something at least that's I, so I guess, funny right <laughs> yeah that video i was probably like it, i remember it was sponsored by opinion outpost and that online survey website and now i'm like wait that is like the worst way to make money like i don't know <laughs> i was like in high school and didn't know <laughs> But yeah, I just want to learn how you got started with YouTube. Like, how did you decide to do it? And what were you doing before? So I think it was, all right, well, before I was, so in, in high school, uh, I had a lawn care business with my brother. We'd just sell firewood, just do all these little manual labor jobs. Um, and that's, kind of, so I was, I was always sort of entrepreneurial, I, I think you could say. Um, just kind of always trying to find a way to not get a job or at least, you know, m make some money so I could pay for college, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then eventually I think I just sort of stumbled into creating a YouTube channel because I think it was, it was just enough times of watching so many people blow up on YouTube, probably from like, say from like 2012 to 2016, I would just watch YouTube all the time and I'll just watch people grow a channel from, you know, a thousand subscribers to a 500,000. And after seeing enough people doing that, I thought, you know, I, I could probably possibly figure out how to do this as well. Totally. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of how I started. Yeah. And it was also just one of those things that, you know, I was trying to pay for college and having to go and do manual labor jobs like on the weekends and stuff, drive home so I could go and like sell firewood and stuff. It just didn't it, it, it took up a lot of time. Right. Um, and I was essentially just trading my time for money. So I wanted something that you could scale a lot faster, which the Internet just seemed like the perfect opportunity for that. Yeah. So were you already pretty into investing in everything like that before you started or was it something you kind of figured out along the way i would say it's a little bit of both right so one of my favorite things to do for youtube i don't know if this is exposing my secret here <laughs> but one of my favorite things to do is like if you don't know something you can almost learn it and then and then sort of teach it to other people like one of the best ways to learn is through teaching uh is what i found but i've always i've always really liked finance because i think everybody has something that makes them tick right so some people love music some people love art or sports and for me i really really like numbers and so instead of going into something like calculus or some weird quantum mechanics which i probably wouldn't be capable of doing anyway i realized that finance was just seems like something is really practical and you can relate numbers to real life so easily so i've always been drawn to counting and numbers 
I, I feel bad for my accountant because um, oh. I, I call him all the time and just talk oh, to him about Oh, what? Numbers. You're probably the only one that does it, though. <laughs> it's probably like, wait. Yeah. This is kind of nice. I don't know. That's so funny. <laughs> when you first started watching YouTube and all of that, how old were you? And did you, like, at first think that was something you couldn't do or was it kind of the whole time you're like yeah i think i like could hop on board it was it was probably pretty gradual but i think so you, uh how old are you guys like 20 mid 25 yeah 25 okay so i'm i'm 22 so when youtube came out i think i was maybe seven or eight right or maybe i was nine i i don't know but either way um we we pretty much grew up on youtube right i mean it's, it's mm-hmm. been around for the majority of our lives so I never really watched too much television. It was always just YouTube and just kind of seeing, like I said, just seeing all those people kind of growing on their platform. And then sometimes, I think it was Roberto Blake, if, if you guys know who that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he would make a couple videos where he would talk about like, you know, how to get 10,000 subscribers or he would talk about, you know, how to make money on Fiverr or something. And I would just watch those videos and say, you know, this is really cool. And I think I could probably do this if, if I really put some effort into it. And I'm, I'm sure you guys think of this about your old videos too. But when I look back at my old videos, they were absolutely horrendous. I mean, they're oh, still totally. not, yeah, they're still not great, but like they were absolutely horrendous. Um, so I guess kind of like you have to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, I, to this day, I'll get stuck and be like, this video isn't good enough to like put up. I give up. And then I have to remind myself of my 13 year old self that put up horrible videos and people still watch them and it's like I had more confidence when I first started I think it's like you have to have just a ridiculous amount to the point where you're almost like delusional where you're like yeah I can totally get a million subscribers like what do you mean it sounds crazy but you Mm -hmm. have to believe like the the really crazy stuff to actually make it happen definitely yeah and I feel like there's a huge barrier to to starting on youtube though where where you kind of like you're really excited about it when you actually say you know what i'm i'm gonna finally do this but for the first you know sitting on the sidelines for a while it just took me so long to actually i guess you could say build up the courage to start making videos because i was worried about what my friends would think mm-hmm. right because i thought my friends would laugh which i think they did uh mm-hmm. and my family and other people around me and I was, I was really worried about that and i think that's kind of a problem in society as a whole is like we sort of just pressure each other into staying on the path and staying the norm. And if we venture off to that, we kind of open ourselves up to potential criticism. And I think mm-hmm. that's why a lot of people don't want to do YouTube. And that's not not to say that that's the only reason, of course, but I think that idea of the potential to be criticized definitely holds some people back from from making videos. Yeah, I feel like that's got to be the number one thing. Like people are always commenting that like they'll make a channel or I recently was listening to a podcast episode of someone who started a channel and then they were while they're in high school and then they quit and started it later because they just like didn't want to do it then. But yeah, that's so interesting because it's like looking at your channel now it's really big and obviously really successful so it's almost like dang if you hadn't have done that like what do you think you'd be doing if you didn't do youtube i do think about that all the time and i I really wonder that but i think i would honestly probably be mowing lawns right now what um i actually wasn't going to go to college anyway i had no plans of going to college i was just going to take over Uh, my grandfather had a landscaping Mm -hmm. business so I was just going to take over the landscaping business and I was just going to be, you know, just cruise through the next 80 years or something, which I honestly would have enjoyed as well. But, that would actually be yeah. kind of a cool video about the landscaping business, like how a landscaping business yeah, those works. Yeah, pretty lucrative, right? Yeah. So I feel like people really 
they like to hate on a lot of the, the manual labor jobs, but sometimes you can really, you, you can make a decent amount of money from, from doing some of these things. I mean, like we've been making a few hundred dollars in on like a Saturday and a Sunday, right? But just mowing some lawns, doing some simple landscaping, trimming some shrubs, mm-hmm. right? Um, it definitely, I've, I have a lot of friends from high school who run their own businesses in, in that field, you know, if it's tree removal or something. And some of them are making over six figures a year from this. Just, Dang, just like that's awesome. Especially if you're in like a like a suburb sort of area with a lot of people around, it's a perfect opportunity. Yeah, I actually had no idea about that. Okay, so you started your channel when you were in college, and then at what point were you like, oh, I don't really want to finish college? Did you think about it for a while? All right, so I think to be honest with you, I, I think going into college, I I went in with the intention of dropping out. Oh, uh, that was probably a terrible intention. I mean, I had a great time. I have no regrets going uh-huh. to college. So I went to Penn State um, and I went into it just kind of thinking I, I really wanted to find a way so that at least by the end of college, I would be making more money than I would be if I had gotten a job. So I was basically just trying to avoid getting a mm-hmm. job. Um, so yeah, it was, it was the freshman freshman year of college, right around Christmas or so when I, I finally started the channel. Nice. And then... I'm guessing you probably like did did you do both at the same time for a while like college and YouTube? Yeah, so I did college and YouTube for I think it was about 2 years because I didn't truly drop out until it was my junior year, spring of junior year. So I I really don't even have that many more credits that I need to take to to graduate, so I might just do it like on the side next year or something. Yeah, you could um, do it online. <laughs> exact well, so I tried to do it online. Oh. So it was spring of junior year and I switched to online classes because I was traveling around a lot um, the fall and I was like missing class and stuff and just it was it was kind of bad but um, so then I switched to online classes spring and junior year and it just got to the point where I think there were two things one was that it was just so difficult to actually log into online classes I was in like Israel or something or like Hungary or something so I was like having fun and trying to do classes and also I think that was when I reached like the five figures a month on YouTube. Oh, yeah. So kind of just looking at all those different factors. And it's like, I might as well just take a break at least. Um, and then maybe, you know, when, when YouTube dies off in whatever, five years or something, I can go back and find a job if I really have to. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like people used to always talk about like, well, YouTube's gonna, you know, one day die, die off. But if anything, I was reading an article the other day that was talking about how, you know, how TikTok might be gone or whatever. It was talking about how TikTok people, it was like they need to go onto a more stable platform such as YouTube. That's so, like, That's so crazy. Like YouTube, I, I wouldn't have predicted that either when I started my channel. I thought it was just going to be, you know, something you do for like a couple years. But it's really turned into something that it, I mean, it feels like right now, maybe this is naive to say, but it just feels like now we could do it for our lifetimes, you know? I mean, there are people just, that yeah. are like literally every niche i was doing a video of how to make a channel sort of thing and almost as a test i just looked up every topic and i'm not kidding there's someone with a million subscribers for just about everything literally knitting (laughs) like the most random stuff was like what so i feel like it kind of is possible because even if your channel dies out in one way if you just revamp it in some other way you could keep it going you definitely need to have a certain level of trust in yourself to be able to adapt and to be able to figure things out. Because obviously, I'm not going to be making the same personal finance or minimalism or productivity videos in 20 mm-hmm. years. I, I hope I'm not making those, right? Uh, and, and you guys are probably in the same boat with that. So just sort of trusting yourself, knowing that you're capable of adapting and figuring things out, but also saving 
money for a rainy day is important and making sure that you're not blowing all your money on Lamborghinis or something Yeah. because that's when you end up working at 7-Eleven five years later. Only Teslas. Yeah, but that Tesla probably makes you a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, it definitely paid for itself. And I had a feeling going into it, but I was like, I don't know. But now a year later, I'm like, wow, that was like one of the best decisions probably. I think there's so many people now that look at YouTube and they're like, oh yeah, I, I could start that. I have something I could talk about. But they also aren't willing to learn the technical side of like how to film, how to make it look good, how to light, how to edit, how to like actually grow on YouTube and all these things. Was any of that for you annoying to learn or did you enjoy kind of like that process as well? It was definitely so annoying. Um, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people give up. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I, I've never picked up a camera before I started. Um, and actually when I, when I did buy my camera for my channel, it was like a Canon 7DD I bought. So I maxed out my credit card and then I had to buy a bunch of Amazon gift cards too, to like be able to buy the camera. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. Premiere Pro was a big pain. You guys might use Final Cut mm -hmm. to edit or something, but it was, it was just a total pain to learn all of that. Um, but kind of my, my theory behind it was because I had no idea what I was doing. I just kept the videos very, very simple and very informational. So I didn't have crazy edits or anything. It was literally just me talking to a camera make like one edit or something and that was it yeah i like the minimal kind of backgrounds and everything like the whole style i like it especially with a fine a topic like finance it's like you don't really want a bunch of like random stuff or need it like you're really there for the information i think yeah it's probably partial laziness too do you now like still think it's annoying or have you learned to like it a little bit it's it's just so normal now that the editing process um but it is I think I, I honestly enjoy everything that I do with my channel. I mean, it really doesn't feel like I've worked at all for any video. Maybe I guess the time when it feels like work is if you have like a sponsor in a mm. video and they're pushing you around and saying, you know, you need to change this, change that. But otherwise, everything is, is fun with YouTube, like every process, every step of the process. Okay, I have one question about your channel. So you do a lot of investing videos about like investing in stocks. Do you think you'll do anything with real estate? I I probably should get into real estate. It's just I I've all, I don't think I've ever touched on it, especially because I don't talk about it because I don't have any properties mm -hmm. and I feel like that would be a little bit strange. And I've thought about buying properties, but I just don't really want to tie up my cash and some of those things right now. I'm kind of putting it into different types of investments. Um, I, have, I have a couple of friends who, who have some properties and some of them say that they're buying more. Some of them don't like it because they say it sounds very passive. But at the end of the day, there's still a lot of little things that you still have to deal with with real mm -hmm. estate. Um, so, yeah, I don't really talk about that much. And honestly, I'm, I'm kind of getting away from the stock investing side of YouTube as well, because I feel like there's so many there's so many like scammy things going on there. Oh, my gosh. And they're I, like, buy my course. Yeah. yeah. So I don't sell anything. I'm not trying to pat myself okay, on the back here, but I don't that. sell anything. I hate when it's like, I'll see so many videos that are like, how I make 80000 a month from my blog. And then they're like, so I sell this $1,000 course. And you're like, okay, that's not from your <laughs> blog. That's from selling a really overpriced course. All of that make money stuff is kind of, it was it was fine when, when I was doing it like a couple years ago. Um, but I'm really trying to get away from it now. And I've just been calling videos, pulling them off, uh, like the make money mm -hmm. ones, because also too, I think I have like, there's probably like half a dozen people impersonating me on Instagram oh. now who are just like scamming people for Bitcoin and stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Someone used my thumbnail yeah, it happens. like that. Oh, I saw yeah, that. Yeah. Not, 
Uh, I think everyone saw that. I know. It's a YouTube account. Oh my gosh. I, it was, I was like, people I haven't talked to in years would text me and be like, I got this. And I'm like, great. <laughs> and I reported it. The person made an account three different times. I was like, wow. But they finally gave up. The website's not even around anymore. So yes. That's cool, though. You're kind of taking a different route with it. I like that. What do you think you're kind of going more towards? Definitely more towards the lifestyle, sort of productivity, still still touch on finance right because i think that's a really important topic that schools totally leave mm -hmm. out i don't know why like in, in in high school right they you're required to take history and reading and science and math but like a anything related to money is just totally left out and i feel like it's partially because the teachers probably also in some cases don't have good finances and it just kind of goes down from the top like it just doesn't get yeah, taught they right? just don't even know yeah. or who knows i feel like also i mean Oh God, the world's so crazy right now and it's making me realize like all these systems are put in place on purpose and I wouldn't even be surprised if there's not really like finance topics in schools because they want you to be bad at your finances because the worse you are, oh, yeah. the more like credit card companies make and mm -hmm. stuff like mm -hmm. that. And like so, schools are kind of sure. making employees and if, if that makes sense. It's like you get so used to having that structure and Actually, was that weird when you stopped going to college and now you're a YouTuber and you can do whatever you want with your time? Um, so to be honest, being honest with you, I I kind of have always done what I wanted with my time because even in college, I I hope my mom's not listening to this, but I I really did not go to class uh -huh. ever. Um, and I I never had a job either because I've always just been kind of like finding ways to make money on the side from age twelve or whatever. So, but it, it is strange. Sometimes, you know, you'll lose track of what day of the week it is or something. It'll be like a Wednesday and you thought it was Sunday or something. It totally throws you off, which can be a little bit problematic, which is why I, it, it's almost like I now want to have the nine to five structure where I tell myself that I start working at nine o'clock, even if it's on YouTube. And then I let myself stop working at five or six o'clock just to kind of have a little bit of structure because otherwise you're just all over the yeah. place. I actually, I totally work that way. It works well because I'm sure you correspond with any brands or like literally anyone else's on that schedule. So then if you're not, you might be like taking a weekend on a Monday and Tuesday, but you're going to be like seeing these emails and like you're not really going to be, I don't know, it's just it's kind of easier to like stay exactly. on the schedule. Yeah. I think it's interesting how you feel like you've always had like this entrepreneurial mindset since you were like, you know, 12 and all that. Because me and Shelby were the exact same way. And I think it'd be funny if we all shared like a funny way we tried to make money. Wow. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'll start. Um, so back when MySpace was a thing, when I was like 13, I learned how to like, did you have a MySpace or no? <sighs> I, I think I was too young for it. I remember somebody okay, in third yeah. grade had MySpace. Oh, oh my God. Wow. What? Honestly, it's crazy. Kids have MySpace. Yeah. yeah. So we had MySpace and I mean, it was basically Facebook, but like slightly more drama, you know, like top eight and all that stuff. <laughs> and so basically on MySpace, if anyone had a MySpace or if you didn't, MySpace was like Facebook, except you were able to customize your site like you would go to these other websites they were called layout sites and they they would be these websites specifically made for you to like copy and paste their code and put little like graphics and new layouts and things on your myspace and so through that 
um, it was really easy to kind of learn like coding, very, very extremely basic things. Like if you just in a line of code, if it said black and then you literally took that out and wrote like white, it would change it. And it was so interesting as a 12 year old to be like, whoa, people, they, they went works. further than that. It was like a full on full new layout. Oh, we yeah. made like a full website. Yeah, no, for people. It. Yeah. yeah. And so basically, Dang. I saw these other people, me and Shelby did it together, but I saw these other people making these websites and I knew how they put the ads on. And I understood like Google AdSense is a thing. And if someone clicks on an ad, you make money. Most like 12 year olds, I feel like, didn't know that. <laughs> and so that is how we both decided to like make this website. And I thought once I made it, like, we'd be good like it would bring in a bunch of money and I even was stupid enough to like click on a bunch of the ads myself <laughs> and so like the Google AdSense account just got deactivated yeah. oh. and on top of that like no one was really going to it or clicking on the ads that much so that is when it like dawned on me I was like well making a website is really hard because like no one's searching for your website where is a place that I could go that has ads where people are searching for things? And that's YouTube. So that's actually how I got into YouTube. I straight up knew wow. the game. I was like, At 12? oh, I can make money on this. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So that was it. Yeah. I don't have like, I don't think I have another one. But yeah, I also did that. I remember we needed like an FTP server or something to set up the website. And it was $50 <laughs> and right, we're 12, so I don't have $50. So I remember for my birthday being like, can I have an FTP server? Actually, <laughs> 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 what? I remember that. And that's what like somehow. But did you get one though? Yeah. I don't remember even like how to put that stuff. Now I just go on Fiverr and like be like, yeah. someone set this up. <laughs> Oh, man, I don't know. I think for me, I, I, I had a few weird businesses. Um, there was a time I was selling a, a lot of mealworms on, on eBay. What? So I had... What? It was... That's so funny. Did you, like, source those yourself? Yeah, like, it's 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 really easy to... <laughs> oh, man, it sounds so weird. But I was... So um, I was... I kind of grew up in, in a pretty agricultural setting, so... Um, I had like a hundred some chickens at my peak, uh, chicken. Oh my God. Did you guys sell eggs? Yeah. Yeah. I sold eggs to like everybody in the neighborhood and stuff. It was, wow. it was, uh, but that, that turned out to not be very profitable because oh. I was selling them for like a dollar fifty a dozen and mm. was, was breaking even, but yeah. yeah like, and then take care of the chickens and such. Yeah. Every morning before school. Your typical morning routine. Oh man. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but I ended up selling mealworms because I, I would feed mealworms to my chickens because they like them they're like their snacks um and i used to buy them and then eventually i realized that if you just buy them and then give them some oatmeal the mealworms would just make more mealworms (laughs) and then they just started reproducing like crazy and then i just ended up selling them and i had like massive trays of just worms that i would just like sell by the thousand it was that's crazy you'd like ship them and stuff how do you package that yeah oh how much did you sell them for it was it was not much it was like twelve dollars or something or twenty dollars for like a pound or for for a thousand but but i don't know the the exact numbers but it was i feel like it was something around like twelve dollars for a thousand oh my gosh that's crazy yeah that was also (laughs) not that's so unique though i've definitely never heard of anyone doing that there's a lot of interesting ways i just realized like my mom has been gardening a lot and she's so into it she keeps being like monica give me a camera i want to start a youtube channel i'm like Okay, I ordered her like a G7X. We'll see how that goes. Nice. Um, but she found out that P- 
people will grow microgreens, just, you know, those little things at the store. Yeah, like the mini greens. And if you have like a quarter of acre of land and grow microgreens, you can make like $100,000 a year off selling those. Really? That is true. Yeah. Yeah. She wants to like get into that. I'm like, okay, mom. Like, I yeah. see you. She just ordered a greenhouse. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. See, that'll be cool. Oh, my God. I didn't even know you could do that. Since our podcast is called Millennial Life Crisis and we both kind of talked about like sometimes feeling lost, you're 22 and you dropped out of college and all these things. Has there been a point yet in your life where you felt where like you doubted yourself or were confused or? It was definitely end of high school, early college. So probably 17 years old or so, because everybody was telling me to, to go to college. Um, and I feel like it, that's really something in America too, that we, we put a lot of pressure on people to go to school. Uh, and so I think almost everybody from my high school went to college. And I was looking at, at the numbers and thinking, you know, I really don't want to go $200,000 in debt or $120,000 in debt mm-hmm. uh, for college, especially for something that I think, you know, I, I can probably figure out a way to earn the average income of, you know, say $50,000 a year on my own if I can just figure something out. So that was kind of the biggest sort of issue for me was was that time period. Um, and luckily, my parents weren't, weren't really the type to put a, a lot of pressure on me. But it's almost like there's a lot of pressure from out, from the outside, from your guidance counselors, uh, right? Like um, your friends, your, your your family friends, extended family. Um, that if you almost the expectation is that if you don't go to college, you're you're gonna fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of just facing that pressure was difficult, and that's why I ended up going to college, which I I don't necessarily regret. I mean, I had a ton of fun in it, but I I think if there wasn't that much pressure. And, I, and there's not as much of that pressure in, in, in Europe, from what I've seen. Um, I, I don't think I would have gone to college. And I probably would have saved, you know, $60,000 or so. Yeah, how much was your college? Well, Penn State was, tuition was about $20,000 a year. And then, uh, you know, paying for my apartment or my dorm on campus for the first year. And food was probably another $10,000 a year. So it was like 30000 a year. I don't know. Wait, so... Is it just you guys or, or do you have more siblings? Yeah, we actually have two siblings. Oh, really? Yeah. And they actually went to college and stuff. We didn't. Okay, so you have a big house. Yeah. 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 But um, for me, it was uh, my household was really sort of laissez faire. Like my parents, their, their strategy was just kind of, it was basically a free for all. So everybody was basically on their own with college. It's not that we were poor. I mean, we had, you know, middle class probably. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, is that kind of what, what you guys faced too? Or was it? Yeah, totally. it was like, yeah. I don't even remember. I feel like when I was younger for a while, I assumed it just seems like everyone acts like your parents are paying for college and then realizing like, oh wait, exactly. I have to pay for this because my brother <laughs> or our brother was like, went to a community college and was really, you know, just, just struggling to get by. Living in the worst possible apartment. Yeah. yeah. So we're like, ooh, that's going to be my life in seven years if i don't do something now you know yeah i definitely feel that that responsibility because then you 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 make sure that you're getting the value out of it and if you're not then you decide that you're you're not going to do it anymore kind of like what i did with that did you join like a frat or anything like that i did not um only because most of my roommates i had five roommates and there we had two bedrooms for five people oh my God. and most of most of them were in frats so it was just i just kind of you know oh yeah didn't have so to be in the frat but still you know you still had like your yeah. social circle but like you didn't have to get hazed like exactly yeah i found it like very interesting like we all grew up in a middle class 
kind of family situation and I didn't really go to college but I did make friends with people at the University of Washington and it's kind of like as if I was adopted into this sorority almost for a little while and it really opened my eyes to how much wealth is out there but it all is just like in this one place you know I thought Washington like everyone was just middle class and then suddenly you're on Greek row and like every other person's parents is paying for their college and so and so has a yacht and the other person has some big mansion and it was very eye-opening I know exactly what you mean because I think about my my high school and there were like a couple kids who were we, we called wealthy and then I got to college and I realized a whole nother level of wealth when you oh, meet yes. other people and you realize that they have yeah. nicer stuff and then Probably even when you enter into sort of the YouTuber world, you realize you start to meet even more people, and you realize like how poor we are in in perspective to to some of these other people way up at the top. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Yeah. What have your like wealth goals been like when you were younger? I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I always imagined myself making like my threshold of like thinking I made it was making a hundred and ten thousand dollars a year. Like, when I was 12, I was like, I just want to live in the city and make $110,000 a year or, like, $10,000-ish a month, and then I thought I'd be good. Like, did you ever have a number when you were younger, and how has that changed? I think I, think I had some pretty big dreams. I mean, probably a few million or so. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it, it, it definitely has changed because now I don't feel as though I, I need nearly as much as what I mm-hmm. thought previously. And there's actually studies on this, too. Um, I don't know what the the precise number is but i think it was something like once you reach seventy thousand dollars per year income uh your yeah. like happiness level or something or something related to that doesn't increase very much after that and i think there's a lot of yeah. truth to it right totally i actually looked that up today and it was like one study was like eighty thousand a year and one's like 105 but it's so true because at that point you can pay for everything you need and a little more mm-hmm. and then after that it's like okay, you're kind of doing boring stuff with your money, like saving it, investing it, and it yeah. almost feels like not real. <laughs> yeah, I like, <laughs> kind of agree with that, but I feel like when I was at the 80,000 mark, I still felt stressed-ish about money and like wanted to make more, but now having passed over like, you know, over like 200,000 a year or something like that, now it definitely doesn't matter to me at all. And it does just feel like I make more money than I know what to do with. Uh And yeah, so I I totally get that. Like, I'll get like a brand deal offer for a bunch of money and my happiness level will like not spike at all. It'll like flatline. I just don't really care as much anymore. And the good thing about that for from a YouTuber's perspective, at least, is that you don't have to chase the money anymore and you can focus on making the content that you actually want to make, which I, I think is good. Mm-hmm. And I kind of reached that too at some point, like in the past 12 months. I feel like you can make money in, in pretty much anything. And almost the key, in my opinion, is to think outside of the box because if you just if you just do the same thing everybody's doing, you, it, it's there's so much competition. But kind of my strategy was you just look at anything, any, any random thing that you have in your house and say, how much could I buy that for? And then how, how much can you sell it for, right? And then you just start to run some numbers and eventually you find something. 
So we really enjoyed talking with Nate today. It was nice to be able to relate with a fellow YouTuber that seemed to grow up in a very similar setting to Shelby and I, just kind of in a middle class system and not having everything handed to us on a silver platter. And I really loved his perspective on going to college. And I think that's something a lot of us could take away from this episode. You know, he went and had a lot of fun, but he went in with the perspective of by the time I'm out of here, I want to have my life figured out. Like I want to have a job figured out that pays more than a college degree. And, you know, he was actually able to do that before graduating college. So he just didn't finish. And now he is very successful in his own right. I think a lot of people just go into college and fly through the four years and they don't really think about what they're going to do after. But, you know, Nate is someone that went into it always thinking even like the first half of freshman year, you know, what am I going to do for a career? So that's something that's really important for a lot of us to keep in mind career-wise. Not to mention his YouTube videos are awesome. So we'll have his YouTube channel and all his other social media linked in the show notes. Go check him out and give him some love because he's a great creator out there. And we're really thankful that he came on today. So thank you so much to Nate. All right, we're going to read a couple millennial life crisis submissions. If you want to submit your crisis of the week, you can submit to millenniallifepodcast at gmail.com. Um, once again, little embarrassing, we do not get enough of these. So you guys send in your crisis, okay? <laughs> um, okay. I love how you say it's embarrassing. It's just funny. Like you think like we're so popular. Nope, nope, we're not. Okay. Um, well, because we kind of forget to do them sometimes. Anyway. Yeah, yeah but they're fun. I think they're fun. to. Okay. Yeah. So... This submission is titled Lonely and Ghosted, and that makes me so sad. Oh, I, yeah. I did read that one. Yeah. So let's get into it. I could really use some boy advice. A few months ago, right after I graduated college, I was offered a job and moved to a city where I didn't know a single person. I still have not met my coworkers in person yet due to the pandemic, so of course I've been lonely and turned to dating apps to meet guys. This is my first time on the apps because throughout most of college, I was in a relationship. After the breakup, I spent a year focusing on myself and now I'm ready to date again. Love that for you. I think that's really great. Just a little side note. Um, Okay. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to boys anymore because I've met a handful of guys on the apps and I've been interested in every time we have talked long enough to where I feel comfortable asking them to go get coffee and meet in person, they ghost me. This has happened multiple times and it has hurt my confidence because I don't understand why asking to go on a real date makes them want to stop talking. Um, It's been nearly impossible to meet anyone in person, again, because of the pandemic, and I feel discouraged from using dating apps because it never seems to work out. How can I enjoy being young and single when I can't seem to get it right with guys? Okay, I have thoughts. My initial thing, I, I love what you say. How can I enjoy being young and single when I can't get it right with guys? I feel you on that. Like, I... I'm not one of those people that's like being single is so fun because I'm not like super flirty and living that single life to the max you know what I mean I'm just like I'm flopping around by myself in this world anyways I feel that I feel that um yeah I feel like it's oh not that bad but probably most people would rather be in like a great relationship that's why people get married like duh yeah that's why they decide to do that or else people would be single forever if being single was that awesome people would just do that yeah all the time. well i feel like there's a certain type of person that's very extroverted that loves being single and maybe hooks up with different people and goes on a lot of dates and genuinely has so much fun with it 
and I just don't find any of that to be fun. So I don't really love the whole like single life and how like glorified it seems to be. Um, But anyway, Shelby, what is your advice for lonely and ghosted? So my advice would say, I know that it's hurting your ego a bit that they don't want to meet up. But remember that we're in a pandemic. And also, sometimes people just go on these apps because they're bored and they're not meeting up with anyone. And it's not even you. It's just that they're like, oh, oh, no, this is like real now. And they're like, we're never going to anyway. I think also this occurred to me when you were reading it maybe and i don't know let me know what you think about this monica Mm -hmm. maybe they're like not wanting to meet up for coffee maybe they want to do something else like what if you're more generic about it because i'm like meeting up for coffee i don't know that doesn't sound very fun like let's meet for a drink yeah yeah i think that's kind of what a lot of people do unless you don't drink which is obviously totally fine and then it's like well yeah you'd want to do that to like weed it out but I feel like almost every guy that I've met on a dating app, they've been like, do you want to get a drink? I feel like a drink is kind of the go-to. And like having like one or two drinks with someone's like totally fine, I think. Unless mm-hmm. you don't drink and like don't want to, then yeah, don't. But maybe that's it. I don't know. But I maybe they wouldn't want to suggest it, you know? Because if someone's like, let's get coffee and you're like, no, let's drink. Then it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. whoa. A little aggressive there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my initial first thought too was definitely the whole there's so many people on those apps that never are going to meet up with someone and they're only swiping and chatting for a little bit for their own ego to feed it and be like, oh, this person that I think is attractive thinks I am too. And then when it gets real, they don't want to do anything about it. And I've definitely been a culprit of doing that. Just like swiping and, you know, one time I even like made a plan to meet up with this guy and then I flaked at the last second and he got really mad. And I think you just have to know people with dating apps when you've never actually met someone at all and know nothing about them like you're kind of like allowed to be flaky not that it's a good thing but that's just how it goes you know yeah it's like people are allowed to be flaky but it really doesn't have anything to do with you it's like some people I think I think a lot of times people are going on a dating app to actively distract themselves from something else like I feel like I've met guys who are on a dating app who are like, they're like testing the waters like, ooh, am I ready to get back into dating? Oh, I'll just try a dating app and see. Mm-hmm. And then they're like realizing maybe they're not or something. And like, it's it's not like dating apps are like, these are really great eligible bachelors. <laughs> like these are bag. like definitely solid choices. Yeah, it's like, you don't even know. This person could be like just broken up with their ex and they're like, oh I'll, I'll find a distraction until i get back together with that you know it's like you just have no idea oh 100 like they could be like like trying to get over someone like yeah i think that happens a lot yeah i would also say where i think you might be going wrong is at least i personally wouldn't spend all this time like just talking to someone like i straight up in the past have matched with someone and then i just immediately say like hey do you want to like meet up and get a drink like I don't want to get to know you through text. I want to get to know you in person. And if I swiped on you and I can see a little bit about you, I feel comfortable enough to meet in a public setting that's safe. And then it just cuts right to the chase. You're not wasting your time. It's not like building up a little bit because every time you message with someone and they message back, it's, you know, that like little endorphin hit every time and it starts to get you hooked and you don't want to get hooked too early, you know? So 
I would just I agree. say definitely don't, do, don't like, message very much. Yeah, just like make a plan immediately, and if they don't respond, then good, you didn't waste more of your time. Then, but yeah, that was my initial thought with that one. That sucks though that they're being really flaky, but honestly, that's just the nature of those apps. It really is, and you can't let it get you down, and you can't let it like, like don't don't let yourself go there of like, well, am I not like good enough why'd they stop replying honestly they're probably just lazy and in their heads they were never actually planning on meeting up with anyone okay and our last millennial life crisis the tagline on it is constant itchy feet so how could i not open this email right Okay, it's not what you think. I'm from Italy, but I consider myself a citizen of the world since I love exploring new countries. I speak eight languages and I've lived in seven different countries in the past 16 years. My constant life crisis is that I get itchy feet all the time and I can't seem to be willing to settle in one place. I'm living in Madrid currently, not my cup of tea, I need to live by a beach, and I'm already thinking about moving back to Barcelona next. The cool thing is moving has never been a problem for me. I pick the place and make it happen, but it's a blessing and a curse. I feel like now that I've experienced life in the city, I want to move to a smaller town by a beach close to a big city, but not in it. But once I've done that, I might change my mind again. I keep telling myself it's fine. You don't like a place, you move. You don't like a job, you change it. You know how people keep saying it's time to settle down when you're in your 30s? I think it's BS. You can live your life however you wish, but sometimes it makes me wonder. Is it just me or are there more restless souls out there? Sandra, you are barking up the right tree because I get so restless too. I Every time I travel, I ask myself, ooh, could I live here? Um, so I think it's very natural that people feel like they want to move, but it's very unique that you actually make it happen and you're probably a really cool person from it. I mean, you've lived in all these different countries and you speak these different languages and it really is so cool. Shelby, what do you think? I'm not as much like restless about that. Like I love where I live and I wouldn't really want to move, but I do like visiting other places. So I guess I can't relate as much because I like this city and I like my friends here and I just everything makes sense. I don't know. I just I don't have that like urge to move. Yeah, I have to say the only times when I'm really feeling like I'm restless and want to move is when things aren't going well in my life. Um, maybe my personal life, my friends, relationships, things like that aren't going well. And it's really easy to blame it on where you're living and blame it on the city and think that moving is going to solve all those problems. But it won't. You'll just then go to this new city and, you know, it'll be kind of a novelty to be in a new environment for a little bit. But those issues that maybe you're having of, you know, maybe not being grounded with great family around you or great friends around you are going to keep coming up. And yeah, you might keep feeling restless from that. So I would urge you to maybe try to focus on some of the aspects in your life first that maybe you don't love and that aren't going well and see if that changes what you think about where you live um, because ultimately it does seem like people end up settling down in a place because of the people they're around and then they don't want to leave so yeah I feel that because every time you move it takes time to make new friends that you genuinely really do connect with sure you can like go meet up for coffee with anyone but to make 
friends where it's like effortless like almost like you've known each other for years kind of thing it's like that doesn't happen like every single day and so every time you move it's like starting fresh and then you're kind of losing contact with old friends I'd personally rather stay put or just move a like few times in my life and then just travel sometimes and I feel like pretty content with that I do think at least it's cool you know yourself enough where you want to get out of Madrid you want to go back to Barcelona live by the water feel you on that I've always lived by the water and I need that in my life too Um, but I would say maybe go back to Barcelona and just work on your life there for a little bit Um, I also wanted to talk about, I found this really cool website. It's called hellolanding.com. This is not an ad. I just think it's cool because it's these apartments in different cities. Uh, They're in the U.S. So they have it like Seattle, New York, Austin, Dallas, Vegas, Orlando. (laughs) And basically there are these furnished apartments that you can move into for just a month if you wanted or two months or three months and that's so cool yeah it's super cool and they'll give you you know like a monthly rate rather than like a nightly rate like an airbnb or a hotel and so i think it's really cool and i actually if i ever want to maybe try living in a different city for four months or something it could be so easy to live in one of those for a little bit and just try it out Uh, because then you wouldn't have to uproot all of your stuff you would just you know go live in there for a little bit and see what you think so I would say check out hellolanding.com for any of you with itchy feet out there maybe just go on there look at the apartments dream a little bit about how easy it could be to move to a different state for a little bit I definitely did that and now I I'm kind of like considering it I kind of want to go do that maybe sometime post-pandemic life that'd be cool yeah um but yeah so so that's gonna be it for this week's millennial life crisis episode thank you guys so much for listening and if you guys want to check out nate's youtube channel we'll have that in the show notes which you totally should really good videos not just investing advice but just like minimalist lifestyle practical stuff again how monica said it's not douchey i enjoy watching them so go check it out and that is it for this week we will see you guys next week Bye. Bye.